Again, if you're a guest of ours, we're just honored that you chose to worship with us this morning. A lot of places you could be, and I don't know if there's any place better than right here. As you see on the screen behind me, if you can make out the little diagram there, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and this morning we are going to talk about worry, stress, anxiety. And I'm sure most of you are thinking, finally, I get the Sunday off. You know, finally, we're going to talk about something that doesn't apply to me. You know, Jesus has been going down the line and picking out all these issues that you know, we deal with. Finally, I can sit back. He's talking about you know, more esoteric things now. So I don't really have to pay close attention, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to begin talking about something that I would wager just about every single person over the age of six weeks deals with here in, in this room, and that's worry and stress and anxiety. I heard a story about a guy who's talking to a friend. He said, you know, my financial life is just in ruins. I've got a mountain of credit card debt. My car is being repossessed. My house is in foreclosure. I owe everybody all over town money. The guy said, well, how do you sleep at night? He said, well, I've, I've turned all my worries over to a professional worrier. I've hired a guy to do all my worrying for me. I just tell him what my problems are, and he worries for me. His friend said, wow, that sounds kind of expensive. What's a professional worrier charge? He says, charges me $50,000 a year. $50,000 a year? How are you going to pay that? I said, I have no idea. That's for him to worry about. <laughs> and of course you saw that coming, right? But the point is, we all have stress in our lives, and we all have worries. In fact, let me ask again. I, I like to do this because I know how much you love to do it. Show of hands. How many of you would say that you deal with stress, with anxiety, with some kind of worry, pretty much on a daily basis? Just raise your hand up. If, you, if you're dealing with stress on a daily basis... Yeah. Again, all of those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're causing all of our stress. But the truth is, we all face anxiety. We all deal with stress. We all deal with worry. In fact, you can finish these sentences for me. I am at my wits. I'm at the end of my... I'm holding on by the skin of my... Yeah, we all get it. Now I keep telling you that anyone who says that the Bible doesn't really have anything for us in the 21st century, the Bible's not practical for life today, those people have never read the Sermon on the Mount. Again, Jesus has been going down issue by issue, hitting on point by point, things that we deal with every day, and by the time he gets to chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 25, he's talking to me, and he's talking to you. So let's take a look at our text, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Three times in that relatively short section of scripture, Jesus tells people on the hillside, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Now again, remember who his audience is. Remember who he is speaking to on the side of the hill. Jesus looks out at the crowd that's gathered around him and says, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to worry about your life. I don't want you to worry about where you're going to find your next meal. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about anything. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that life was harder or easier in first century Palestine than it is today? I don't know, but I would think harder. I would think it would be much harder living in first century Palestine than living in central Florida in 2016. You know, most of the people, we've talked about this, most of the people that are listening to Jesus were very poor that day on the hillside. They were born into poverty. They would die in poverty. For the most part, they were uneducated. They had health issues. In fact, that's why a lot of them were there. They wanted to come to Jesus because they had health issues. Some of them would have been slaves. Never had a chance for freedom. If you were a child or a teenager, the odds of you reaching age 35 were, were slim. That was the life expectancy in first century Palestine. Living conditions in those days when Jesus was teaching, you know, be right about here, and the anxiety level would have been right about here, right? Now, how about us? We are better educated. We're healthier, cleaner. We have more opportunities. We have more options. We have more resources. We have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of conveniences. And if their standard of living was right here, our standard of living would be right here. But I don't have to tell you that our anxiety level, for most people, it's off the charts. So, does having more stuff, does having better health, is having more money, is having more opportunities and conveniences. Do all those things, does that eliminate worry? Does it eliminate stress in our lives? For some strange reason, it almost seems to add stress to our lives, doesn't it? I think Jesus knows that. You know, if you think, if I just had more stuff, if I was just more successful, I wouldn't worry. Um, ask somebody who has more stuff. Ask somebody who's more successful than you if, if worry is a part of their life still. Now, the only real effective strategy for relieving worry is Jesus. And luckily for us, on the side of a hill one day, Jesus talks to a bunch of people and tells them how to deal with worry and stress. And he tells us how to deal with it, too. And I want to break this lesson down into four parts. One thing that we need to put off, kind of get rid of, and then three things that we need to put on and, and do a better job of, of focusing on. And the first is, we need to get rid of the fear factor. 
Now, we are so fearful of what might happen. We are so fearful of how this could go, how that could turn out. We paralyze ourselves with this fear of the unknown. A guy who was a patient in a mental hospital one day is standing against a wall listening. He's been there for hours. And finally a staff member comes by and says, what do you, what do you got your ear to the wall for? What do you, shh, shh, come here, come here, listen. The staff member puts his ear to the wall and listens for a minute and says, I don't hear a thing. The patient says, I know, it's been like that all day. We worry about all these things that may or may not happen. We worry about all these things that, that, that are completely out of our control. Look again at Jesus' teaching. Verse 31. So do not start worrying. Where will my food come from, or my drink, or my clothes? These are the things the pagans are always concerned about. Your Father in Heaven knows what you need, that you need all these things. Jesus doesn't want us to worry about the unknown. But you know, we're kind of experts at that, aren't we? We all have our PhDs in worrying about the unknown. We worry about people that we'll probably never meet, about situations that we'll probably never be in, about circumstances that will probably never happen to us. But it keeps us up at night, and we worry about it. We pay a lot of attention to things that don't really matter. And we kind of ignore some things that really do matter. You know, you and I are part of a society that's kind of overcome with, with this fear factor. Now, we don't know exactly who or what to be afraid of, so we're kind of afraid of everything and everybody. And Jesus says, I don't want you to, to be afraid. I don't want you to, to worry. If you're about to worry, don't. If you're already worrying, stop. Get rid of the fear factor. And really the only way to get rid of the fear factor is to replace it with some other things. So let's look at a couple other things that, that Jesus challenges us to, to replace that with. And the first is, he says, we're going to have to pay close attention to the faith factor. Look again at what he says. Verse 28. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? And then Jesus says, you have so little faith. You have so little faith. And I kind of wonder, as Jesus is teaching, did he see some birds flying by? Did he bend over and pick up some wildflowers? and say, take a look. Take a look at these flowers. Look how beautiful they are. Now, where does their beauty come from? Well, their beauty comes from God. Don't you think that God cares as much about you as He does those birds or these flowers? And if He takes care of those birds and these flowers, how much more perfectly do you think He's going to take care of you? You have such little faith. Jesus says it's a faith issue. And when we worry, we are in effect saying, okay, I believe that God can keep the planets you know, orbiting around the sun. And I believe that God hears every prayer that's ever been uttered. And I believe that everything that's ever happened in world history has been sifted through the hands of God. But I'm not so sure God can take care of what's going on in my life right now. 
And I'm not sure that God really can handle what I'm going through. I'm not sure that I, that I trust God enough. We're told in Proverbs chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. That's what God says. God says, trust me with all your heart. Worry says, I don't think you can handle it, God. Worry says, I don't think that you're on my side, God. And of course, God says, try me. Test me. Listen to these promises that God's made. They are so familiar to us. They're really powerful. In fact, I'm not even putting the rest of the, the verses up there because you know them. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we... <laughs> he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How is it that we know those verses so well, and yet we have such a hard time thinking that they actually apply to me and my situation? You know what Jesus would say about that? I think Jesus would tell us the same thing he told those people. You have such little faith. Well, there's a, there's a faith factor that's involved. And then there's also a father factor. Now, we talked about this last week in the context of prayer, but Jesus keeps bringing it up. So I'm going to keep bringing it up. Jesus says there's something going on here, and what you need to understand is there's a relationship. And the relationship is that of a child and a father. We're dealing with our Father. David said it this way in Psalm 55. Cast your cares on the Lord and He'll sustain you. He'll never let the righteous fall. Peter, in the New Testament, says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Leave all your worries with Him because He cares for you. Jesus simply says, Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Your Father knows what you need. The relationship is a child, his father. Now understand, God never said, if you follow me, you won't have problems. Did Jesus have problems? He followed the father. Yeah, Jesus had problems all the time. In fact, it seemed like problems kind of followed him. Everywhere Jesus went, he had problems. You know, he confronted people in their sin. He confronted people with their guilt and, and, and their greed, their purity, their Religious narrow-mindedness. Yeah, Jesus had a lot of problems. In fact, they eventually you know, put him to death at a fairly young age. But it was Jesus also who said, if the world hates you, you know, remember they hated me first. And it was Jesus who said, in this world you will have trouble. I'm going to leave you my peace, but, but you're going to have trouble. It was Jesus who learned to deal with all the problems and all the hatred and the stress, and the anxiety. Because he so perfectly understood the concept of a father. His father. And his relationship to his father. Some of you will be familiar with the name Michael Novak. He's a writer, he's a, a philosopher. And he talks about three 
life uh, convictions that he claims every single person has. And well, first is um, a public conviction. He claims that we all have public convictions. And what that is, that's what I say. That's what I tell you. My public convictions are the things that I want you to believe about me. It might not be true. Uh, I might be making it up, but it's what I say. It's what I want you to think about me. Public convictions are much more about you know, what I say than what I do. And then he says we also all have what he calls private convictions. A private conviction is what I really believe that I think. It's how I feel. Now, when push comes to shove, you know, I might vacillate a little bit on my private convictions. They're always evolving a little bit and, you know, changing a little bit. But uh, my private convictions are, that's what I think. And then Novak says that we also all have what he calls core convictions. It's not what I say. It's not what I think. It's not how I feel. It's how I live my life. It's how I am defined. I am defined by my core convictions. It's how I live. You know, my public conviction, that, that changes all the time. I'll say anything. My private convictions, you know, I'll waffle on that from time to time. But when it comes to my core convictions, I will not violate my core convictions. Those are the non-negotiables that I've built my life on. Those are the plain things that I, I put a stake in the ground and say, this defines me, and I will not fudge on that. Now, why is that so important as we're talking about father factor? I think it's important because if one of your core convictions, if one of your non-negotiables, if one of your stakes in the ground is, I am a child of God, if that's one of the things that defines you, I am a child of God. I am convinced that you will understand and know a peace and a comfort and a level of stress-free living, freedom, that the world can only dream about. You know, and I know how hard that is for people to wrap their minds around. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we're told every day that's not how it works. You know, the world tells us that, that's not enough. It's not enough that God is your Father. Jesus would say, you don't know the Father. If you don't think that's enough, you don't know the Father. You know what Jesus really wanted those people to understand that day on the hillside? I think the same thing he wants us to, to understand. He tells them, he tells us, I don't want you to worry. Because of the Father factor, you don't have to worry. Because of the Father factor, nothing that is really important is ultimately at risk. Because you have a heavenly Father, nothing that really matters is in peril. That's Jesus' promise. The things that matter aren't at risk. You put your head on your pillow at night and you can know that my Father knows what I need. My Father has seen to that. And when that is my core conviction, when that's what I craft and build my life around, I'm not going to worry about what I eat and what I drink and, and what I wear because I have a, a father who knows what I need. We have to deal with fear factor and try to replace it with a, a faith factor and a father factor. 
But then Jesus wants us to understand that there's one more ingredient that makes all this not just practical but also possible, and that's the focus factor. Here's how you deal with anxiety and stress and worry. Jesus says you focus on the kingdom. You put first things first. Jesus has been talking about all those things that, that we worry about, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, where we're going to sleep. Now he never says those things aren't important. He never says you don't have to deal with those things. But what he does say in verse 33, is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Now, I hope by this time in our series that I don't have to remind you that Jesus has been on a bit of a kingdom kick here in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Over and over again, he is trying to draw these people in, in, and get them to focus on something bigger than what they see and what they know. He keeps reminding them of this is what kingdom life looks like. And I keep telling you week after week, Jesus is teaching to change lives. He's teaching to transform hearts. He doesn't want us just to know more. He wants us to do more. He wants us to be more. He's trying to get these people to focus not so much on this religion of law, but this relationship of love. So, you know, forget about the, the rules for a minute. Think about your heart. And think about your father's heart. Make the kingdom of God your primary concern. And all those things that people worry about, God will take care of them. All those things that cause you stress, focus on the kingdom. And again, it sounds so easy, doesn't it? When I say it, it sounds easy. When you read it, simple. I'm going to focus on the kingdom. I'm not going to worry anymore. But Jesus knew how hard it was for us to focus on the kingdom when we're focused on so many other things. He knew it was tough to focus on the kingdom when we have so many things to deal with. You know, we live in a life where it seems like we're always trying to juggle a hundred balls in the air, and we're always trying to keep a thousand plates spinning, and we always feel like we're in high gear with no steering wheel, just bumping, you know, from off the walls, going from one thing to the next. And that's kind of how we all end up living our lives. But Jesus says, put away those things. Set aside those things that cause you to, to focus on something other than the kingdom. Because the kingdom focus is the, is the ultimate warrior eliminator. Get rid of all that other stuff. Again, easier said than done. Let me share with you an analogy. I don't know if it works or not. Have you ever tried to throw away a trash can? <laughs> Have you ever tried to get the garbage guy to pick up a trash can? I'm going to tell you, it's almost impossible to do. I was in, when we were living in Tallahassee, we had this old beat-up uh, plastic can in our garage we never used, so I was going to throw it away. So I take it out to you know, the side of the road and I lay it down. I thought, obviously they're going to know this is trash and they'll take it. I come home that night and it's stacked up very neatly with all my other trash cans. So the next week, I turn it upside down by the other cans so he'll see that you know, it's all ripped out on the bottom and stuff and, and he'll know that it's trash. I come home that night, all of my cans are upside down, stacked in a row. How nice. So the week after that, I took some spray paint, spray, some spray paint and wrote trash 
on the side of a trash can. In hindsight, I should have known that wasn't going to work. The next week, I took a knife and I cut the thing almost to ribbons. I just kind of shredded it. Okay, there's no way anyone can not know that this is to be thrown away. And I laid it down by the, you know, the other trash cans. I came home that night, and not only was it standing back up, but somebody walking down the street had thrown some trash in it. It had, I had trash in it. I couldn't get rid of the thing. A friend told me the best way to get rid of it is chain it to a tree in your yard, and during the night somebody will steal it. You know, we're talking about worry. Worry's a lot like that trash can. We know we want to get rid of it. We know we don't want it around. We know we want to, you know, put it aside, but it just keeps coming back. It just keeps showing up. We want to get rid of it, but we can't seem to do that. Now, as much as Jesus wants us to let go of worry, Satan wants us to hold on very tightly to worry and stress and anxiety. I think it's one of Satan's greatest strategies. Keep us worried. Keep us anxious. Keep us distracted. Now, we try to get rid of it, and Satan keeps setting it back up in our front yard every single morning. Because Satan knows the same thing Jesus knows. If he can keep us focused on other things, if he can keep us worried about other things, we won't have the time or the energy to focus on the things that really matter. And here's what I think is the deal for us. I'm convinced that for just about everybody in this room, because I know most everybody in this room on some level, I think that the problem with worry and stress and anxiety and those, those things that we're talking about I don't think the problem for us is that we're going to walk away from God. I don't expect your worry level to, to cause you just to walk away from God, you know, turn your back on God. I don't think that'll happen to you. But what I do see happen quite often is we don't walk away from God. We just settle for a watered-down version of God. And we don't turn our back on our faith. We just settle for some cheap, counterfeit version of faith. I think we all know what Jesus has to say about lukewarm Christians. And that's why it's so important to focus on things that really matter. That's why it's so important to maintain this kingdom focus, not to worry about everything else. And again, I am so aware of what you're thinking. I'm with you. Nothing to argue with. But I know and you know Tomorrow morning, all the things that you've been worrying about are still there. Your bank account's not going to change overnight. The doctor's report's not going to be any different on Monday morning. There are those relationships that are causing you stress. They're still in that same state on Monday morning as they were Sunday night. Nothing out there in the world changes. And we can't force ourselves to stop worrying. Last week we looked at Philippians chapter 4 in the context of prayer. I'm going to take you back to that beautiful passage as, as Paul ties prayer into kind of peace of mind. Philippians 4 verse 6, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now I got thinking about this subject and I started wondering, what would happen if we were to take up a second collection today? What if we got the ushers back together and, and got the trays back together and, and we had the ushers pass the trays down the aisles again, but this time in, instead of putting money in the tray, what if we put our worries in the tray? What if we took a piece of paper and just wrote on the back of that piece of paper, God, here's what I'm worried about today. Here's what's causing me angst. Here's what's keeping me awake at night. What if we wrote that thing on the card and put it in the plate? By the way, God wants that card. God wants our worries. Cast your burdens on Him for He cares for you. What would you write on that card? We're not going to do that, by the way. Maybe we should. But what would you write on your card? That, I just want to give this to God. Could be a financial thing? A health issue? A relationship thing? Something going on with your parents, with your kids, with your marriage? Something going on at work? What would you put on your card? What are you worrying about right here, today? Now again, maybe we shouldn't do that. We're not. But here's what we are going to do. We're going to give you an opportunity to tell God, this is yours. God, I'm given this thing. Not worry is some big general topic, but this thing, this situation, this relationship, this issue, I want to give it to you. I want to turn it over to you. This thing that has dominated my mind, this thing that I've been obsessed over, this thing that is draining me emotionally and physically, I want to give it to you. I'm finished being the person who's consumed with the pain and the pressure I'm trying to handle it myself. And I'm going to trust that the same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God who caused the sun to stand still, the same God who said, let there be light, then there was light, I'm going to trust that that Father can handle the problems of Tim Stutzman living in Tampa, Florida. And I'm going to Turn it over to him. Jesus challenges us to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then he promises us that all these things will be added unto you. Jesus' promise is your Father has made a promise. If you seek first the kingdom, if that is your core conviction, your Father will take care of everything else. That's the promise. This morning, maybe there's something going on in your life that you just really need the prayers of people who love you. Well, there's people who love you here in this room, and we'd love to pray with you. Maybe there's something going on in your life you just need to share with God's family here. There's going to be some people here at the front of the auditorium. Travis has a song that we're going to sing. If we can help you and minister with you in any way, come to the front and let us know. Let's stand and sing.